So, of course, while I was on vacation, war, uh, which we were, uh, there were so many signs that it was coming, that Russia was was not just bluffing, that they were going to go into Ukraine. And sure enough, we're at, what, day five, uh, coming up on day six. We'll see whether or not some of these talks that are going on in Belarus between Ukrainian uh, delegation and Russian delegation will come to any, will it do anything? Maybe, maybe not. We shall see, but at least there's an initial talk. It seems unlikely that suddenly it's going to end. So that means continued conflict, but also continued uncertainty. And any times there is uncertainty in world events, we do see that there are pressures, and especially in more recent years, the pressures on fuel prices, oil and gas. So we're talking oil, we're talking natural gas, and then eventually, uh, for those of us here in Canada, we'll see an effect on, on the pumps. In fact, we might already be seeing it right now. Let's check in with Dan McTague, who's a regular visitor here on 630 Ched Mornings. Good to have you here once again from the Canadians for Affordable Energy. Uh, Dan McTague, how are you this morning? I'm fine watching these markets uh, like a hawk. It's uh, all over the place, to too, right now. It is. It is. I mean, last night, uh, uh, early markets were indicating back to 99. We were there early Friday morning. Um, I mean, behind us, obviously, is an extraordinarily serious issue of our time, and I literally mean that. Uh, we've never seen anything like this uh, since, well, frankly, since 1938 uh, to 1945. So I guess my first reaction is simply uh, markets don't know which way to go, but it's pretty clear that sooner or later, whether it is the uh, uh, the uh, retention of fin- the ability for Russia to trade financially uh, through uh, the transactions of payments, the so-called SWIFT system, uh, or whether it is, in fact, uh, you know, the West uh, G7 nations and NATO finding the wherewithal to uh, to, in fact, impose what would cripple, uh, you know, Vladimir Putin, and that's uh, sanctions on his oil and gas. It remains to be seen, but either way, um, these are going to be very expensive prices. Uh, not just for obviously for gasoline, but for yeah. pretty much every commodity derived from that. Well, when you say you're watching the markets and back to ninety nine, is that ninety nine dollars a barrel uh, for oil? Like what, just hit me with the numbers you're yeah. looking at. Well, last night was ninety ninety eight ninety nine a barrel at about uh, I would say four fifteen your time. Uh, it uh, then came down to about ninety five and a half ninety five dollars a barrel, which is where it is right now. Uh, but the, uh, the the North American traders uh, have not really come in yet. Uh, markets in the United States have not opened. Okay. Uh, but when that happens, I expect that uh, prices will push back up towards $100 a barrel. But again, as you have been watching, everyone has the uh, the events, the blow-by-blow of what happens over there is going to have a lot to do with uh, with where the trajectory of these prices. But you're still on $100 a barrel for right now. Well, this is only a few days in. We're not even a full week into into this war, into this conflict, into this level of uncertainty. So where is the trajectory? I'm seeing, when I look and read around, I'm saying it could get up to $135 a barrel. Yeah. And are we talking Brent? Are we talking West? Is that WTI? Which, which base are we looking at uh, to give us a better idea? Yeah, usually uh, Brent will pay, because obviously just proximity to uh, conflict in Eastern Europe. Uh, usually five to ten dollars a barrel more. So you know, as many last week, even before uh, the uh, Russia's attack, uh, suggested one hundred and forty to one hundred and forty-five for Brent, uh, which would put uh, WTI at one hundred and thirty-five. And of course, uh, all these are numbers, <clears throat> but they also have to be put in the context of what I thought would be a strong strengthening Canadian dollar. Uh, which means it, uh, you know, normally we would see a bit of an advantage as we did in the past with the petrodollar. We won't get that. So the 135 
feels a whole lot more like 160 uh, for Canadians. And that's, uh, there's a number of reasons for that. But uh, if you look at it, it's a little bit like, uh, you know, taking off at a race. Every economy is moving up. Every currency is moving up, but the Canadian economy is in stall mode. You can't get the engine running. And that's, uh, that's a factor that uh, we have to consider in this country. It drives up inflation. So if, if we, that, it's almost like a wind chill. So that feels yeah. like a price of 160. Yeah. What does that translate exactly. to at the pumps? So we'd be looking at a, an average, a national average, uh, you know, about a dollar ninety a liter. Um, if we hit a dollar, hundred and twenty-two dollars a barrel would put us at one hundred and ninety, a uh, dollar ninety uh, for a liter of gasoline across Canada. That would mean a little less here, obviously in Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, where the taxes are a little lower. Um, but we are but talking regular gasoline at regular gasoline. say a buck eighty-five or a buck eighty. Yeah, you'd be well. You'd be closer to buck eighty, buck seventy-five, buck eighty. Uh, and again, depends on what retailers do. They control anywhere from seven to ten cents a liter. Some of them, uh, as we know, uh, in other areas, charge zero uh, and uh, hope that they can sell a lot of beef jerky. I'm just kidding, of course. Yeah, yeah. And make money elsewhere. But the reality is that uh, I, I think the premium uh, for war uh, and Russia eventually having to throw in the towel on or, you know on, on oil and gas. Uh, will likely mean an increase uh, in the order of about $20 a barrel, which would be about 15 cents a litre for us here in Canada. Uh, I'll tell you, I want to get into into natural gas and the impact on that in just a second. But before we do, how long does it stay this this high, the price of oil, this long? I guess it depends on what goes on, obviously. But uh, is, uh, there, there, if, it end, if it all ended tomorrow and Russia pulled back and they were done, this would still have a long, yeah. long-running ripple effect. $15 a barrel is the war premium. I mean, look, the bigger issue isn't, uh, dare I say, the war. We all want that to end. We want it to end peacefully uh, and respectfully. The the bigger problem, Daryl, is the uh, fact that there is a global uh, shortage of supply, and it's extraordinarily tight um, by any measure. Uh, this is something we just haven't seen since 2008. So the the basis the seeds have been well planted uh, for prices to remain firmly high for 2022 and 2023 um this is years of uh, ESG mandates basically saying don't invest in fossil fuels this is years of uh, preventing pipelines from being built not just in Canada but around the world and this whole idea that you know we can we can somehow transition away from fossil fuels which i think for Many parts of the world, especially Europe, is proving to be uh, a very false uh, and illusory uh, pursuit. Uh, nevertheless, uh, two more years of disruption uh, before we can actually finally catch up, and uh, policymakers can uh, can avoid you know uh, going down a particular path of. Uh, of uh, you know, denying the very thing that uh, that keeps our global economies functioning. Well, and we had these conversations long before we started hearing the uh, initially the saber rattling, and then obviously became a lot more than that uh, from Russia. Uh, but we, we we knew that these were issues that we were we were facing well beforehand. So with this adding to it, uh, I, I agree, and, and you're right. There there continues to be a major crunch uh, in the oil and gas sector. So let's deal now with gas. How much does natural gas? We talk about what the prices at the pumps and the price of oil per barrel, etc. Where are we at with natural gas, and how high could that go? Well, we've had a colder winter. Um, we see that Europe is now uh, a major in a, in a bit of... If anything, where Putin had an advantage, it's that he had natural gas and plenty uh, to supply Europe, which has increasingly dependent on external sources rather than its own sources. Um, banning fracking, uh, the whole point of moving away, even shutting down some of the nuclear, as we see in, in Germany, 
um, and becoming completely dependent or in, uh, entirely dependent on Russian supplies. Now, to a lesser extent, Norway, uh, you have some from Qatar, you have a little bit uh, coming in from the United States, but the stuff from the States is not ready. The biggest problem we face right now uh, is the transition, not just from you know pipeline natural gas, but LNG. And uh, while you have you know countries like Australia, uh, I mentioned uh, Qatar earlier, and now even the United States building up uh, their terminals, their facilities, there isn't the ability to receive it at the other end, especially in places like Europe, where I think the only place they have is Poland, and they have another one in, uh, I don't remember if it's saved Holland, the Netherlands. Um, we need a lot more, and to build that infrastructure, you know, brings us to 2026. Uh, it's still 2022, so we're still a few way, years away mm-hmm. from being able to realize that natural gas uh, is uh, is perhaps the biggest indicator of of commodities for heating, commodities for industrial use, and like diesel, it is in uh, is high demand and very short supply, and of course conflicted with this uh, geopolitical uh, entanglement that we now have, thanks to uh, Vladimir Putin's designs. Uh, there will be a, a big issue. We have seen some pretty dramatic and drastic action taken against the Russian economy. We've seen the ruble tumbling. Uh, they're in, raising interest rates. At what point and how quickly might we see action on oil and gas? Because obviously there is a a, uh, a backlash against the rest of Europe because they need it right now. So, But to actually put a kibosh on that, uh, how quickly could that happen? And would that be like th- the economic version of a nuclear attack against Russia? Uh, well, I think Russia still has one hand to play. Uh, it has significant financial reserves. So with or without, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the financial limitation of its ability to do what it does, whether that be companies like BP pulling out of Rosneft, well, largest oil company, or that Shell makes a decision, I believe that'll be today, where Shell uh, oil only, uh, alone owns 26%. Of Gazprom, uh, the uh, Russia's largest natural gas supplier, all about the uh, thing we've heard about with the Nord Stream uh, pipelines. If we see a furtherance of this, Russia has two options: uh, you know, quit, pack up, and leave, uh, and stop what it's doing in Ukraine, or it simply turns off the taps completely, and then uh, we see uh, not just natural gas but diesel oil prices shoot through, through the roof. Because this is really about. Um, the the weakness, uh, the vulnerability uh, that Europe finds itself in, having gone down this road of uh, being far too reliant uh, on uh, renewables like uh, windmills and and mm-hmm. solar panels, all those things are wonderful. But in you know deep depth of winter, Putin is playing this to his advantage, and he has a few more cards to play. Uh, unfortunately, it's going to mean much higher prices. The markets, I think, have been very very uh, cautious and and very. Very tempered. They're not driving prices to 130 bucks for oil or 10 bucks an MMBTU for natural gas. Uh, What they're doing instead is uh, taking a very significant wait and see approach. The longer this goes on, as you pointed out earlier, the worse this is going to get, and it's going to damage uh, global economies generally. It's going to hurt Russia a a lot more, but uh, for the rest of the world, watch for the possibility of a global recession. One more quick thing before I let you go, because uh, we're almost yeah. out of time. But uh, did you see some of the uh, the messages from Jason Kenney, Alberta's premier, talking about, hey, uh, we have oil, we have gas. Uh, I don't know if you have an opinion on the timing of that, or is do you forget about that, the timing of it and whether it might look uh, a little tone deaf, or is that is that an opportunity that we should be exploring oh. and pushing? 
Look, if I think every every nation in Europe would give the right arm to be able to get access to Canadian energy. Uh, the fact that we have limited our ability to get it exported, I think, is going to go down as a calculated mistake. And I think it's the good news about the Daryl is that we're going to see a, a circumstance where Canadians are going to finally realize uh, no more tolerating, tolerating pipeline blockages because it's going to damage the world economy and it puts us uh, squarely in the crosshairs of uh, dictators with designs. The, the green movement globally, and I'm not being disrespectful, is one of the main reasons why there's a war in the Ukraine. That is exactly why Putin has been emboldened to do this. We need to stop him, and we need to get clean Canadian products out. And I, I'm from Ontario. I have no issue with uh, you know where this is coming from. Uh, but I got to tell you, as a guy who, as a member of Parliament, took on the oil industry, you know, vehemently, um, I pull no punches here. Uh, Canada needs more energy to the rest of the world, and uh, I think the rest of the world is in a position of being far more receiving now than at any point in the past. Dan McTague, always good talking to you. Thank you. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.